You are listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Midland, Texas. Redeemer Church is a gospel-centered missional family. If you would like to get more information or donate to this ministry, please visit www.redeemermidland.org. Awesome. Going to need a little bit more energy than that. Are y'all happy to be here this morning? There we go. My name is Jason. I'm the lead and teaching pastor here this morning. So welcome. Glad you're here. For those of you uh, joining online, we're honored that you're joining with us as well. And I've got a uh, surprise and a treat for you today uh, that we get a guest preacher that uh, for the handful of you that were around uh, five or six years ago, you have met and uh, uh, heard Valentine preach and some of his story and know that we have helped support them over the years. But uh, it's been a while since Valentine has been here, so I wanted him to come back and preach uh, so Divinian Valentine, which I have only ever known as Valentine, uh, I've known him for a long, long time. Uh, he has been planting a church in Cedar Hill, uh, just kind of the South Dallas area. Uh, we used to live in Cedar Hill, and he's planting about a mile from where we used to live. Uh, and I just had on my Facebook a time hop pop up this morning that in 2016, uh, Valentine was having, uh, today was having their interest meeting. Uh, and then they launched uh, Omni Fellowship in uh, 2017. And uh, if you're new to Redeemer, maybe you have forgotten this. Uh, we have helped uh, support him uh, over the years and will continue to help uh, support him over the next years as they're reaching, uh, just listening to some of his stories. God's been doing some pretty incredible, encouraging, and amazing things through Valentine. Uh, so he's the lead pastor there and has uh, become an incredible uh just an encouraging friend to me, uh, so I'm excited for him to be able to preach this morning. So uh, how about a warm welcome for Valentine? Come on. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Missing in that picture is my son, who is a young 30 years old, and my two grandkids, which are Harper and Nixon, uh, I do miss them on today. They are at Omni um, Fellowshipping, hoping that they are enjoying Jesus there also. Uh, there's an old motto uh, that growing up, we in the church used to say together. I was told that you guys wasn't as responsive uh, as desired. Well, there's an old motto that says, God is good, and then you guys say, oh, come on now, okay, 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 let's try it again. God is good, and all the time, and the church said, and they told me I could not get out of you an amen. I got my first one and maybe my last one, Amen. But, but really, man, it is really uh, a, a sheer joy being here uh, this morning, uh, driving from Cedar Hill, Texas. Uh, Redeemer, you guys have been a grace to us uh, for the past five years. I send out an email faithfully reminding Jason that we need y'all's help. And without question. January, that check comes in to help us advance the mission of God. So I want to say thank you. Thank you for your heart for Jesus, for church planting in such a generous and kind heart. Now, I was told I had 35 minutes. So I was cutting the sermon even this morning. I normally go about 45, 48, and they always tell me that's too long. 
I tell them, get over it. I can there, but I cannot hear. So I'm going to try to mind the etiquette here of this house and be about 34 minutes and, 30 and 58 seconds. Amen. So let me pray for, for myself and, and you, and let's dig in to God's Word. We'll be in Acts chapter 2 today, Acts chapter 2. Uh, for time's sake, I'm going to read uh, the first verse and the last sentence of verse 47, just for time. Father God, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for who you are and your love for us that we are the apple of your eye, that we are your possession, and you are ours. Will you please, today, make much of yourself through the power of the Holy Spirit. Will you be glorified, the saints be edified, and Satan be terrified. God, we know you. God, we, we love you. We thank you for this grace of gathering under your power and your authority. Be with us now in Christ's name. Amen. So I'm going to read for us again verse 42 in that last uh, uh, section, uh, that last sentence of verse 47. And the word of God reads, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Drop down. And every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Now, if you know anything about the book of Acts, it's more about the acts of the Holy Spirit than it is the acts of the apostles. Also, this book is more descriptive than it is prescriptive. By that I mean uh, that the idea of descriptive means that it is a narration of what took place then, when it comes to prescriptive, it's, uh, it's, they are commands that, would sh that what should take place now. Descriptive is, is describing something that happened, while prescriptive is a particular teaching about something that should happen. So in this portion of Scripture, we're going to see some of these devotions that came, that, that uh, some of these devotions that came out of the first century church in response to believing and receiving the gospel preached by Peter earlier in chapter 2. But also, when we look at these particular devotions, they also, not only do they describe, but also prescribe for us things that we should be doing as saints today since what is uh, what, since the devotions can be even seen in the Gospels or in an epistle of the New Testament. Uh, uh, Testament. So just to set it up, remember, the audience that Peter has preached to, they had rejected the person and, pers uh, the person and purpose of Jesus. But, but while Peter was preaching, God was removing the veil. He was opening the mind of those who were blinded by the God of this age to see the glory of Jesus in the preached gospel. What we see in this text is that their rejection did not stop God's devotion for them. Because of God's devotion, 
seen in the person and perfect work of Jesus, we see now an outflow of their devotion to God seen and received in the gospel. But let me say this. It wasn't their devotion that saved them. It was God's devotion to them that saved them. Our devotion to things, to those graces of God, does not save us. God's devotion to us in Jesus is the only means of our salvation. Now, from that should flow things that we as Christians should be devoted to on a regular basis. And so today we want to see four things that the early church was devoted to out of God's devotion to them. So in verse 42a, what we see first is a devotion to God's word. It reads, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, in today's time, it is hard because people say that as Christians, we are devoted to a Bible written by man. Now, half of that is true and half of it is a lie. Because we know that God used man to write his Bible. 2 Peter 1, 20, uh, 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 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21 says, Above all, you know this, no prophecy of Scripture comes from the prophet's own interpretation. Because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. As a Christian, we believe that God moved in and through man to write down the word of God that we have Today, we also know that according to 2 Timothy 3.16, that all scripture is breathed or inspired by God. It is profitable for this bad word today we find in the church called doctrine. That they were, they were devoted to the apostles' teachings, to the apostles' doctrine. Now, the sad thing is, again, earlier, like I said, that Doctrine has, has become a bad word in church. But Paul had some foresight of this when he wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse, verse 3 to 4, for the time will come when people will not tolerate sound, healthy, correct doctrine. But according to their own desires, will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. Again, the word sound here means healthy and correct. See, it's a good thing when we devote ourselves to doctrine. Why? Because doctrine will teach us what is true. It will help us realize what is wrong. It will correct us when we're wrong. And it will teach us what to do in regards to to what's right. Because the first century church was gifted by God through the Holy Spirit, they did not abandon God's word. They, they, were, they became devoted to God's word. And so it was through God's word they, they, they learned to love God. They learned to be devoted to God. 
Does this describe you? Because the word devoted means to, uh, uh, to be committed to another through love and loyalty with the possible implications of doing so despite difficulty, hardships, and persecution. When you look at your life now, when you look over the past week, past month, are you devoted to God's word? Are you growing in love for God because of God's word? Are you, are you becoming more loyal to God because we read in God's word, he's loyal to us? Does being devoted to God's word describe you? They were devoted to God's word, but also they were devoted to one another. Look again at verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to and to fellowship. The word fellowship here, it means a deep commonality, a close relationship to and for one another. And, and the fellowship described here is radical. This kind of fellowship is not tied to or based on one's ethnicity, one's class or cash, one's background. No, this type of fellowship is derived from fellowship with God in the Son made possible through the person of the Spirit. Listen to what John writes in 1 John 3 and 4. He says, what we have seen and heard, we also declare to you, so that you may know, so that you may also have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. The one's fellowship with the Father, the Son, there should not be fellowship amongst each other. I believe that the reason why many of us, our joy is lacking is because we are, we are devoid or we're not enjoying, first of all, fellowship with the Father and Son. And if we say we are, but then we're not enjoying fellowship with each other, our joy may be lacking. And I mean, we are a multi-ethnic church. Praise be to God. And we believe, and, and, and so do you, that man, that we are the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the fold of Christ, the family of God, called to be devoted to God by being devoted to one another. Now, this kind of fellowship is preserved in a way that my uh, friend Ray Orland uh, has described through three graces, gospel, safety, and time. To preserve this radical fellowship, but owned by our fellowship with the Father and the Son, there must be lots of gospel, lots of time, and lots of safety. In regards to gospel, there must be multiple exposures to the happy news of the gospel from one end of the Bible to another. The safety of non-accusing sympathy so that people can admit their sins, their struggles, and, uh, and problems honestly. And lastly, there must be enough time to rethink their lives at a deep level because 
people. We are complex. Changing is not easy, and life can be really hard. When it comes to, to this kind of fellowship, it is nothing but grace. It is, it is nothing but the grace of the Spirit that we get to fellowship with each other, reminding each other what Christ has done in, uh, in a safe place while giving time for people to change. Fellowship here, it starts with and is founded on the person of Jesus and not the preference of man. If you want to have this kind of deep commonality, this close relationship, man, it's, it's, it's based off Jesus and not man. They were devoted to God. They were, uh, 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 God's word, they were devoted to each other, but also we see they were devoted to the work of Christ or to the work of Jesus. Verse, uh, it says here in that same verse, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread. Most commentary uh, and scholars believe that this phrase means the Lord's Supper or the Lord's Table. And if you study the first church, they weakly reflected on the torn body and shed blood of Jesus, as we see in Acts 20, verse 7. However, this is not a, this is not a prescription for the church today, but simply a description of what the church did back then. I simply want to point out that as the gathered saints, as the family of God, we get to run to the table that Christ provided to remind us of his work for us and, to, and for us to embrace being marked as people of his under this new covenant made possible by his blood and to cause us to, to reflect and to examine our lives to see if we're really living like Jesus. When we take the Lord's Supper, I wonder, are we giving the Spirit space to examine our hearts, to see are we in right fellowship with God and each other? It's a time where we reflect and we remember, again, what Christ has done. And the first century church was committed to this. They were devoted to God's Word, devoted to, to each other. They were, uh, uh, and then they were devoted to Prayer. I came up with this, this definition of prayer as I, as I studied. And prayer is simply an invitation into God's presence made possible by the shed blood of Jesus for us to enjoy him, to receive mercy from him, and to find favor to do his will. The early church, no doubt, was committed to prayer. Maybe you're asking, how do I know that? Well, in my research, here's what I found. Prayer in some shape, form, or fashion was found in the Gospel of Matthew 10 times, in the Gospel of Mark 12 times, in the Gospel of Luke, written by, uh, written by Luke, the author of Acts, some 19 times, in the Gospel of John five times, but in the book or in the book or, 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 or of Acts, 
prayer is mentioned and seen some 32 times. 32 times. Prayer for the first century church was a priority. And we know prayer becomes a priority when we understand that, that apart from God's presence, his mercy, and his favor, we can do nothing. I ask you a question. Is prayer a priority to you? Before you leave the house, do you pray? Before you enter your home, your school, your job, your place of recreation, do you pray? Do you seek God's presence? Do you receive God's mercy? Do you find God's favor? Why? Because we are saints who need God to do his work. Prayer was a priority, but also prayer, it was intentional. In Acts chapter 3, as custom, Peter and John is found praying. In Acts chapter 10, verse 9, Paul and Peter again is found praying at again 12 noon. In Acts chapter 10, verse 30, Cornelius, he's found praying at noon in his house. It was customary then for Jews to be devoted to prayer, but they took what was customary and turned it to a blessed privilege of seeking God at his throne of grace. No doubt the local church today is never more like the New Testament church than when it takes advantage of what Jesus provided through his death and resurrection, and that is access into the presence of God. It's from these four things, I believe, that now verses 43 and 45, they come to life. And it amazed me what God was doing in the midst of the first church. First, look what it says here in verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. In other words, God was actually producing a sense of reverence, amazement of himself through the church. Everyone had an awe for God. And it says that the apostles were doing many signs and wonders. In church today, God is still doing many signs and wonders. But the greatest sign and wonder today in his church is salvation. Whenever someone gets saved and we see folk getting baptized, that should leave us in awe. If you are saved and you've been saved and gripped by the gospel of Christ, your soul should be at awe at God. I wonder, when was the last time the gospel left you at awe with God? You wretched, you sinner, you condemned, now a child of God, moved into the kingdom of God, all because of his Grace that should leave us at all. But every time we sing of God's goodness, seen in the gospel, man, we should be at all at Him. When's the last time you reaped over the gospel? 
When the last time that you saw yourself as you really were outside of Christ, but now inside of Christ, not because of you, but because of him. The gospel should leave you at all. He's changing you, making you more like the sinless Savior that we worship. Every, whenever you forgive somebody, you should be at all because that was not you, that was him. Whenever you are being patient and kind to someone who don't look like you, sound like you, you should be at all because that's not you, that's him. When, how often are you enjoy, having this, 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 this sense of awe, of of the gospel working in and the gospel of Christ working through you for the glory of God. I heard a man say that when it comes to hiring at his, uh, at the church he's the, the pastor of, that if the individual being interviewed has not wept or wept, or been moved by the gospel lately, he would not hire them. Man, when was the last time that you just focused on, you saw God's work for you, and man, it just left you like reverencing and, and amazing that God, a holy God, will call someone like you a son and daughter. He was producing an awe. Not only that, God was meeting the needs of all through others. The what it says in verse 44 through 45. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the, the proceeds to all as any had need, not want. The early Christians basically said and understood, we don't need extra stuff. We need more of Jesus. The early church held all things, it says, in common. This blew my mind. The same root word that's found in fellowship in verse 42 is the same word found in the word common here in verse 44. It's koino in the Greek. It's holding things in common. And they were, hold up, they were all, they were together and held all things in common because they had the same Father, the same uh, Savior, and the same Spirit working through them. And until we See that, man, we all have the, the same Father, the same Savior, and the same Spirit. We will not work together or hold all things in common, but at Redeemer. Because we hold a common Father, a common Savior, and a common Spirit, because we, we, we were made that through a common gospel. Redeemer, you have a heart for even a church that sits in an underserved, and they say, unloved area in Cedar Hill, Texas. 
It's because of your, our commonality with the Father, with the Son, that we now have this common mission of seeing lives transformed through the gospel. And y'all, y'all took it a little bit further. Here, they was going from house to house, but you guys are going from uh, city to city, ensuring that the gospel is proclaimed through your prayers and generosity. And for every church you support, we all say thank you. That because you guys see that we have a common father, a common savior, and a common spirit, we hold all things in common to help those who have a need. God can produce an awe in all of us. God can, through his grace, help us meet every need individually and through the local body. But also God can make us witnesses for him while enjoying favor with all. Verse 46 says, every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying favor of all the people. Quick note here. They say that at the day of Pentecost, there was some hundred, uh, some million adults there. And we know that 3,000 of them got saved. That left 997,000 unsaved. In the first century, the temple was used as a place not only for worship, but to witness. So every time they opened up the temple, those who were saved were witnessing. They were sharing the gospel to those who did not know Jesus. The temple was a house of witness, but the house was a, a, a place of fellowship. And because the, what they was doing was so contagious, so amazing, God was granting favor to them from all people, even unbelievers. God was granting them favor, even with those who did not know him. And you think that would be the joy, that would be the treasure of the text, but it's not. The treasure, the joy of this text is found in 47b, where it says, every day the Lord added to their numbers those who were being saved. One guy says, it appears the early church fulfilled what Jesus claimed to be the greatest commandment in all of Scripture. Luke 10, 27 says, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Redeemer, when we love others as God has loved us, when we are good to others as God is as good to us, when we are as kind to others as God is kind to us, when we are forgiving to others as God is forgiving to us, when we are accepting of others as God is accepting of us, something happens 
the kingdom of God becomes attractive. And people begin to ask, why are you this way? And why are you that way? And our answer is simply Jesus. And when we began to proclaim Christ, not only with our life, but with our lips, check this out. God is using us to add to his church. That whenever this, 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 this love, this, this unconditional love has been given to all people, the world takes notice. At Omni Fellowship, there's this tall guy. He's 6'5", long beard, name is Bob. Bob is a manager of a cigar lounge. Bob had not stepped foot in a church for some 26 years. There's a guy named Thomas also in this lodge, lounge, that hadn't stepped foot in a, in a local gathering since 09. There's this guy named Angel who hadn't stepped foot in this, in this, in a local gathering since 04. And because they saw something different in me, I never told them I was a pastor. But they saw something different in me. These guys, they stepped foot into Omni Fellowship. Now, Angel and Thomas are saved. Bob, who still consider himself an atheist, He's greeting at our door. He's greeting at our church every single Sunday. Wearing his suit, wearing his tie, his shoes shine, tie on. He said, welcome everybody to Omni Fellowship. And we asked Bob, why do you come for two years? Why do you consistently come to Omni Fellowship? He says, because you guys love me. And you don't judge me. Church, something happens when we let God's love flow through us to others. And the whole body of Omni is, man, we're praying for Bob. And one day we all say Bob is this close because every day when he and I debrief over the sermon, he says, man, I want to live like Jesus. I say, Bob, just come to him then. He said, that's I'm almost there. He's been almost there for two years. But we keep on loving him. This was so radical in Cedar Hill. Two churches changed their bylaws to where now unbelievers can serve at their church. Love changes things. And I believe that when we allow God's love to flow through us, God can use us to add to his church as he will. Redeemer, because Christ came for us, because Christ lived a perfect life for us, because Christ died the death that we deserved I would say for us. Because he got up from the grave, is now sitting in the right hand, on the right hand of God, praying for 
us. It's because of him and his work. We can be devoted to God's word. We can deny ourselves and serve others. We can dine with God as we run to the Lord's table, feasting in faith on what Christ has done for us. It's because of what Christ has done, we can be drawn to God and, and, and approach his throne of grace to receive mercy and to find favor in a time of need. And if we ever needed him, we need him now. Because of Christ and what he's done, are you devoted? Are you devoted to his word? Are you devoted to each other? Are you devoted to the work of Jesus through communion? And are you devoted to prayer? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that it is because of your devotion for us and not our devotion to you that we can say that we are your sons and daughters. Do the work now. Examine the hearts and souls of your sons and daughters and pose the question to him, are you devoted to me through my word? Have you been devoted to me through fellowship of the saints? Have you been devoted to me through you running to the feast I prepared for you? And, and the broken body and shed blood of my son. Are you taking advantage of the invitation of you to enter into my presence, to receive my mercy, to find favor in a time of need because of what Christ has done? Are you devoted? And listen, we can be devoted to him because he is and will forever be devoted to us. God, we thank you. We love you. We ask in your son's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Church. If you want to connect with us at Redeemer, we would love for you to visit us at a service in person or visit us online at www.redeemermidland.org.